all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> You okay. started. <laughs> you you literally startled. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Um, follow us, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, at All Bad Things Pod. Email allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our discussion group. We have several new members in our discussion group. Yes, welcome. we do. Yes, welcome all. <laughs> welcome one, welcome all. Um, just remember, you do have to answer... The question, which is, what's one of your favorite disasters? You can literally answer whatever you want. We're not going to hold you to it. It's just so that we know you're not spam. I thought it was cool that um, Talia, Talia, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, oh, the, yes. Yeah, the footage going across the, the bridge. Yes. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Talia. Um, I don't know a, why that was fascinating, but it was. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Several of our um, listeners mentioned, they're like, oh, I I drive all on, on this bridge all the time. So it must be a major bridge. I mean, it makes sense because it's a, a well, it major was, bridge in it was a set up major as a city. Major yes, bridge. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she took uh, footage from her like and, dash cam and i'm using those pronouns i hope they're correct but anyway um from from a bike right a motorcycle which doesn't have a dash but and, the, there's and, the only that's the only way i could ex- explain it <laughs> right and uh yeah dash cam handlebar yeah, cams whatever like a gopro yeah essentially and Talia is also the one who shared the footage from that crash that she was in. Oh, Remember that's that right. Yes. That's right. That's a really cool camera. And I'm just glad she made it out of that. Uh, yeah. I, I still don't know how. Mm. Yeah. So shout out to Talia and our other Aussie um, listeners. Thank you for letting me say Melbourne. There's actually a guy I knew when I lived in Greenville who lives in, I think he lives in Sydney. Okay. Now. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he makes a post like once a month. Okay, maybe, but he's been making a lot of posts lately because of the the fires. fires. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty horrible. Um, We should find a charity to plug for that. Oh, there's there's a lot of them. There are. I mean, if you go online, pretty much, one will pop up. Always vet your charities. Make sure they're they're uh, gonna get money to the people and help to the people who need it. But what's what's going on is just (laughs) it's devastating. It's crazy, and it seems like it's gonna be endless. I know. It won't be obviously. It'll end at some point. It just doesn't seem like anytime soon. But it's it's horrible. Yeah. And uh, also, we need to plug uh, Alex's GoFundMe. Yes, although um, one of our listeners, I think it was Kelsey. I think it was Kelsey. Anyway, um, was really helpful in pointing out apparently the GoFundMe link isn't working at the moment. So I messaged Alex because I'm not sure if she's because she. She made another account on Facebook, so I think this was after her her issues where she ended up in the nursing home. Um, so I'm not sure if she's a member of our discussion group again because of her new Facebook profile. Um, but I messaged her to be like, "Oh, hey, it looks like the link's not working. I haven't heard back from her yet." So we'll keep an eye on that and make sure to uh, for anyone who has tried to donate and hasn't been able to. Thank you for trying. Absolutely. Um, we'll try and uh, I'm I'm still trying to get in touch with Alex to um, if Alex, if you're listening, 
hit me up um, to hopefully get that fixed. So, um, but yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, yeah. So yeah, un- unfortunately, always many people in need. Yes. Because uh, just that's that's how the world works, especially under capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> well, not solely. It's well, it's a lot of different decisions. That I'm go a little into more that, anti-capitalism but, uh, than you are. Yeah, but that's okay. We can still live together in heart, peace and harmony. Yeah, I'm, and I can I'm still all do your for. Taxes. I'm all for. A, I'm all for a mixed economy. So, okay. Anyway, well, it's pretty mixed up. I'll tell you. That. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, yeah, it's mostly one-sided, but anyway. Yeah, um, it's tax season. I don't know if I've mentioned that lately. <laughs> is it tax season? No, I think it might be. Um, yeah, I'm fielding four to five new clients a day. It's it's pretty. Hey, but hey, this is uh this is your time of the it's year. My Super Bowl, like you like mm-hmm. to say. So yeah. Ah, so I <laughs> I started researching this week's episode and it was um I thought it was just gonna be a one parter, but I decided to drag it out to two. <laughs> okay. Partially because it's interesting enough to. And uh second because it'll give me another topic for next week to just keep going on this topic um and it'll give you more time to do research yeah i, I just i just haven't had thousand time. topics oh i had my birthday happen. i had my birthday week you did you did happy birthday <laughs> <laughs> that was a week ago <laughs> um and i also need to um now is the time when i need to start deploying the research that everybody sent in over the past few months oh yes it'll come in very much in handy so um so today's topic is higher by creed (laughs) and uh, are you guys actually doing that song yeah really we're doing higher by creed okay creep by rosy which oh shit no this is the right song well who's rotsy this is radiohead that's what I thought. This is the song. I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What the hell am I? That, that's, this is yeah, that's creep. Radiohead. This is Radiohead. I listened yeah. to it like five times today. Well, somebody... I mean, that that song's old enough that I'm sure several people have done a, a Yeah, a I guess maybe of. this is... Oh, I hope we're not doing some stupid, like, bluegrass version of it. This I hope is, so. I, hope I should not probably either. explain what I'm talking about. Um, I'm in <laughs> bands. And or, anyway, we've got some new songs, and I printed those out at the same time I printed out the research. Also, look what we're playing. You ought to know. Oh, okay. I can't. Um, is, what's her name singing that? Deborah, yeah. Oh, you're talking about Graham's, okay, Oh, yeah, whatever. this is not okay, her, Peak City. Her no, other no, no. band. No, yeah, this is not my. Okay. <laughs> We're not singing. I was, yeah. Are you thinking of me when you fuck her? Yeah. In Peak City. We are family well, I'm kinda, bands, I'm kind of surprised you're doing that in Graham's number me two. Me too. But anyway. I can't wait to hear Deborah sing this, because this is a badass yeah, she's, she's got a she's got quite a voice. And this is. She's got an excellent, uh, uh. She's an excellent front lady. Front she man, is. She is. Front person. And after not having done it for long at all, she's not no, a, she's like good. a long, lifetime front lady. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, those are not the topics. <clears throat> that was just, uh, I will tell you though, because I, I had not heard Hire by Creed, um, but I had heard obviously the other two songs. I listened to them all like five times tonight and was totally rocking out in my office it was fun yeah looking back because uh, that was off their second album um the, the creed song yes okay um fun fact uh-huh. i saw creed in 1997 in greenville i'm trying to remember the other band that played with them 
Anyway, there was this club in Greenville that if you had even like a minor hit on rock radio, Mm -hmm. somehow they got these bands. I saw Matchbox 20 at the same venue Mm. before they were big. And um, so I saw Creed at this venue and they had just come out with whatever their first single was. I can't remember. My Own Prison. I think it was their first ever single. Um, And it was just like, okay, good show. And they were good. Mm Mm-hmm. And then literally, like, three or four months later, they just blow up into the stratosphere. Mm. And it's like, it's just, like it's just like one of those stories, like, oh, I saw them in a club with 500 people. Nobody's going to believe me. Uh-huh. Yeah, and with Matchbox 20, the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. they came out, I think they were on their second single by the time I saw them. But it's still, like, a 500-person club. They're right in front of you. It's not like, you know, you have... Uh, balcony tickets and (laughs) you know arenas no you're you're just on the floor you're right there watching them play so i get matchbox 20 three doors down third it's it's all the same what was matchbox 20's big hit um i'm sure i would know it uh 3 a.m maybe or or push baby it's 3 a.m i must be lonely yeah it's actually a song about his mom dying of cancer oh god yeah Oh, <laughs> I feel less like mocking it now. That's that's why he's like it's three a.m. I think I'm lonely. Oh, mm-hmm. I always thought that was kind of a lame song. Now I feel really bad for thinking it was a lame song. Well, I mean, it could easily be interpreted in Aww. so many ways, but it, yes, it's about his Aww, mom so dying of sad. cancer. I guess that brought it back to sort of our topic. Yeah, ma- so. yeah <laughs> match- death. Matchbox Twenty not the greatest band. They were good live. I can say Creed was good live, mm. I, and I saw Creed again live about a year later at a mm. at a festival. Um, but I've always loved Rob Thomas's voice. I, mm. I think he has an excellent singing voice. Well, I knew him first from uh, "It's Just Like the Ocean," smooth, but with Santana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he fronted that. He does have a good voice. Yeah, he's got a great voice. He does have a really good voice. This has and been that, all that, good rock. That, this has been all bad music. <laughs> but we weren't talking about bad music. Well, maybe. Depending, it's uh, it's subjective. <laughs> True. Fair enough. Um, so, are we ready to actually delve into our topic? I believe we are. So this, my friends, is the story of Hillary Clinton. Ha <laughs> 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 no. Yeah, kid. Hi, kid. <laughs> she is a I was gonna national say, I was tragedy, gonna say, but... <laughs> I was going to say the tragedies she's involved in are not accidents. It's on They're purpose. Not. This would, that would be a criminal podcast. If we were a true <laughs> yes. crime podcast, we would cover Hillary Clinton. And now we get to isolate a whole other portion of audience. Yes. <laughs> Let's offend You everybody. into your corner, you into your corner. Zach's already... Zach, once he heard Creed in Matchbox 20, <laughs> he's, he's gone. <laughs> Zach tuned out we, as soon as we, he heard us talking about We may about or may not get him back. Team. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> no. Zach is awesome because he has said, hey, I may not always agree with their politics, but they're cool people. Zach is A-OK in my book. Politics, not music. That's a different thing for people. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. He might abandon us over the music part of he it. He <laughs> might. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily blame him. Oh, so no. This is not the story of Hillary Clinton. We are not a true crime po- podcast. Um... She's a motherfucker, though. Um, so, <laughs> and we'll all, all end that. But anyway, uh, so a couple weeks ago, I was like, man, we haven't done an air disaster in a while. Oh, okay. Yep. And I wasn't about to research one when I was going to go fly to Miami. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, let's, um, I'm like reverse burping. Anyway, I was like, 
Um, let's go ahead and do it afterwards. <laughs> it makes sense. Now I'm clearly not getting to the point because my brain is fried after 12 hours of doing taxes today. We'll let Demetrius in. In the meantime, while I gather my thoughts. No, at any rate. I look back on our suggestions. Demetrius, come in. There, he's in. He's in. And as we um, put back into place our state-of-the-art soundproofing, that is the comforter hung over the door. Oops. It's not on the top. Okay. Demetrius, don't get in the door. This is the magic of podcasting. Um, yeah, let's get into the topic, shall we? Okay. So this, uh, this topic was suggested by... I have to get the handle right. I don't know their their name, but their handle on Instagram is what you leave behind, okay. which is a very sort of deep handle. At any rate, um, so they suggested this. So this, my friends, is the story of Korean Airlines Flight 007. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like okay, right? So they just suggested that, and so I was like, okay, well, that's a that's a, and this was a while back, and I put it on my list, and I was like, well, that that's it's a, you know, a plane disaster. Let me look into it, and I I was expecting, you know, whatever, a crash, mechanical error, pilot error, whatever. This is a story. Okay. And this this well, you said story, it's a so. two parter. So. Yes. <clears throat> on September first. 1983, Korean Airlines Flight 007 was shot down by a Soviet defense aircraft when it accidentally strayed into restricted Soviet airspace, killing all 269 people on board. Yeah, so... This is okay. this counts. Okay. Because at first I was like, I looked it up and I was like, oh no, this this doesn't work. This this is a a war time thing, or you know, a war a, crime. A, yeah, war crime basically. From what I can tell, and next week we're gonna delve into it a lot more. This was essentially a terrible misunderstanding. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. So I think it counts. I okay. have to think it counts. So, right. And I and I think as we go into it a little bit more. Well, we, it, we've we've strayed the line a couple of times. We have, so. but I actually don't think this is a stray. This is more of a that there's a genuine accident involved here. Okay. Um, I've never heard of this, so I know me neither. Me neither. I mean, it happened like a year before I was born. Whereas you were. Yeah, I wasn't uh, brushing up on my politics too much when I was six. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, Demetrius, what are you doing? There we go. All right. Uh, anyway, I I wrote a bunch of shit. I'm not going to read it because I wrote it in delirium of tax season. So let me just move on. <laughs> so this, this disaster, and this is part of the reason that this can be a two-parter. It kind of reminds me, I know we've done the Dyatlov Pass. We've done other Soviet disasters. What else did we do? There was at least oh, one. Oh, uh, we did the uh, we did well Chernobyl. Uh, okay, did, yes, and yes, the, of course. The Kish the disaster, which yes. was their other lesser known. Uh, Chernobyl. Uh, it wasn't a. It wasn't technically a meltdown. It right. was technically a nuclear disaster. It was a nuclear failure, I think, something okay. like that. But it wasn't a. It was oh, right. Right. It was, it was like whatever's a notch below a meltdown. That's what it <laughs> gotcha. was. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, ac- nuclear accident, I believe, is how it was classified. Okay. Well, as we've seen in those disasters in when we're talking soviet era russia or the ussr there's 
generally um, a lot of mystery surrounding the direct beca- causes of just things. Just because there's not a lot of information. Yes. I, I mean, that's... Yep. And a lot of speculation. And in the case of that's like, all you have to go on. Mm-hmm. In the case of like doubt, love, pass, path, pass, pass. <laughs> sorry, even um, conspiracy theories and stuff. So... This which is which that like one that. that one was ripe for it was because nobody was knows weird. nobody knows what happened it was weird this one is a little bit more who are you gonna believe okay um so so yeah and we are just spoiler alert I'm going to start I'm going to stop this episode right before the actual disaster okay so we'll we'll pick up with the actual disaster um which is horrible by the way uh yeah this is not a good crash this is i mean there's well, it's not, not a even crash. a crash it's getting shot down we will go into it next week oh, okay we'll go into it next week so um because we've gone into detail about the cold war in previous episodes. We have. Or I'm not going to belabor that. I'm not going to go into it too deeply. I will later on get into one incident that was particularly responsible for heightened paranoia during this time. But even though this as, was... As if, <clears throat> as if there weren't enough reasons. Right, right. This is 83. It's... it's what, The wall came down in, what, 89? Mm-hmm. So we're still talking... We're still years. we're still really in the thick of it. Yes. Because um, even when I was in grade school, because mm-hmm. um, the wall came down r- literally, I had just started junior high. I was okay. in seventh grade because it, it came down like I believe September or October of '89. Okay. But that was like the first sign, and, and it's not like everything ended right there. But that was the mm-hmm. first sign, like wow, it's you know, because the okay. Berlin Wall was something. Right. When I it was a symbol of mm-hmm. essentially communism. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when I was in grade school, even at, at this point, you just hated Russia. You didn't really, yeah, right. you, didn't, you didn't really know why. <laughs> it was sort of the all red blooded Americans hate. Oh Russia. yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's hilarious. You look back on eighties movies mm-hmm. and the influence that it's all the bad guys were Russian. Yep, <laughs> it was like a weird it's, stereotype. It's uh yeah, I mean, you, I mean, again, um, is it the culture reflecting the movies, mm-hmm. or is it the movies reflecting the culture? Mm-hmm. You know, it's and. Oftentimes it's both, but right. yeah, this is a this is still eighty three. This is still mm-hmm. we hate Russia. Yes, and of course we have the likes. Or we hate the USSR rather. We hate communism. Right, and we have the likes of um, Reagan on our side, which we know what a lovely, lovely man Reagan was. Yeah, he turned out to be quite the quite the nice guy. <laughs> Hashtag Sharsh Kashmam. Yes, because I can't pronounce that anymore. Apparently, so I'm just gonna start. <laughs> 20 minutes in, I'm going to start <laughs> with the flight itself. Okay. Um, so the extremely ironically numbered KAL flight 007. I know, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, was, of course, uh, operated by Korean Airlines or KAL. We're talking about South Korea. As, yes, as a, well. a Seoul, okay. South Korea-based okay. airline. Yep. I didn't think we were talking about North no. Korea, but there, there is the... The, the designation. Correct. But no, we're talking about um, South Korea. It was Seoul, based in Seoul, South Korea. Um, it, it's still in operations today. It was founded in 69. Still in operations today as Korean Air. So Okay. Uh, the flight was a long-haul flight traveling from JFK International Airport in New York City to, uh, well, you know, the general boroughs of New York City. I forget what borough is JFK in. 
We've talked about this before. It doesn't matter. I know. New York. I know. I've landed there. It's in New York City. Yes. Um. That was. That's the final destination was Gimpo International Airport in Gangseogu, Seoul, South Korea. So that at the time that was like the main um, international airport in Seoul. Uh, the long flight. Because clearly, you're going from the east coast of the U.S. That's a long fucking west. flight. Are we talking about yeah. a direct flight? No. Two legs. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So the the first leg was from JFK to Anchorage International, and then from Anchorage to Seoul was the, yeah, that makes sense. the schedule. Yeah. I didn't think it was one shot, but I'm like, maybe it could have been. I don't, I don't know. That would be, that would be a, a really long, long haul. Flight. Yeah, it would be a really long haul. Um, so 007 was a Boeing 747-230. Again, I'm not going to belabor it. I think we've talked about 747s. It's a jumbo jet, mm-hmm. right? One of the first Huge like, jumbo jets, right? On board were 246 passengers and a crew of 23. So 269 people on board. And as we've already learned, they're all going to die, right? Spoiler alert. I, I said that already. Now, six of the passengers on board were what they call deadheading. So they were yes. actually crew mm-hmm. uh-huh, for KAL, but they were not active on the flight. Right. They were being flown to the place where they would then get on a flight to actually do their work, to, to work. Yeah. It comes up in the movie Almost Famous. Oh, okay. That's how I knew what it was. Hmm. I had not heard of it. I had to look it up. Um, so, yeah, I wonder why they call it deadheading. Is it because of the Grateful Dead? Is I, it like that weird? I don't know. I just know that that's that's what it's called. Okay. It's yeah. You're, um, you work for the company and everything, but you're not working. Not at the moment. You're yeah. being flown to where you yep. will start to work. Yeah. So presumably, it's not like you're not going to pitch in here and there if you're needed. But I guess so, technically, you're not working. So that's that's why there are. So I found a couple of different numbers. As to the crew numbers, some said 23, some said 29. It makes perfect sense because technically there were 29 crew employees of KAL on board, but only 23 23 were active at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the pilot was Captain Chun Byung-in. The first officer was Song Dong-hui, and the cabin crew was rounded out with the flight engineer, Kim Ui-dong. Uh, Chun was a 45-year-old former South Korea Air Force airman. Very typical, right? You serve in the the military and the Air Force. You become a civilian pilot um, and had a family, two kids. He was an experienced pilot, had over 10,000 flight hours, um, including over 6,000 aboard 747s. So he was um, accomplished and obviously very good at his job. In 1982, the year before this, he actually received a commendation from KAL for his accident-free record, mm. which is sad and ironic, you know, given what happened. He had made this flight many times before, so this was a familiar route to him. His co-pilot, Song Dong-hui, was 47 years old, also very experienced, also a former Air Force man, uh, and... South Korean Air Force. Uh, he had racked up about 9,000 flight hours, over 3,000 of which were on a 747, and he also had a wife and kids. So you're like family guys, experienced, former military. It just popped into my head because you said their uh, first layover or their only one was in Anchorage? They had one layover, and it was in Anchorage. Okay, now I understand. Okay, I see where this is going because of that. Okay, okay. So close to half of the passengers aboard this flight were Korean, 
makes sense because it's going to end up in Seoul, right? Um, but there were also large numbers of passengers from the U.S., Taiwan, Japan, and Hong Kong. Although in total, there were passengers from 16 separate countries on board. So there was a lot of people traveling internationally. They were all of various ages aboard for various reasons. I'm not going to belabor all the stories, but I am going to try to remember to link after this comes out in our social meds to an article from People Magazine online that like talks about some of the stories of the people who were on board and their families and Mm. stuff. So if you want something sad to read, it gets into that. Because obviously, you know, all 269 people were important because they were important to somebody. They were somebody's family member, you know. Um, But I am going to specifically call out one passenger because I do think it's an interesting story. So as it turns out, one of the passengers on 007 was a man named Larry McDonald, who was a 48-year-old member of the United States Congress. Oh. Representing Georgia's 7th Congressional (laughs) District. Okay. Oh, this, this is a very interesting little backstory or side story. So, and of course, we know all the people on board died, so... We know what fate befell Larry McDonald. But anyway, he was considered a conservative Democrat. Yeah, they used to exist. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they they were known as because we're talking about 83. Back then, they were known mm -hmm. as uh, Reagan Democrats. Oh, God. I know. It's it's horrifying to think that, but that's what they were known as. Do you know what the John Birch Society is? I've heard of it. I don't exactly know. This guy was the president of it at the time. I have a feeling it's something bad. So, or something not good. I I looked on Wikipedia. They call it a radical right organization. That's what I figured it was. I hear it referenced here and there, yeah. but I, I've never known exactly what it is. But I think that's it's what like I an ultra conservative. Well, I think society. it's a I think it's like a think tank. That's what I've always kind of gathered. Oh, maybe is, I didn't. I didn't see. I saw it more as a society or organization versus versus an actual like policy think tank. I could be that too. Yeah. Anyway, he was the president. This guy's pretty conservative, or which is which is surprising. To, uh, anyway, <clears throat> but go on. so he was massively <clears throat> anti-communist, which, to be fair, everyone was. <laughs> um, it's, not, it's 1983. <clears throat> it is 1983, um, but he was also very against the LGBT community gaining fair protection under the law. So it's also on 19, that policy. It's also 1983. It is 1983. That's surprising. Um, that, that wasn't exactly like a radical opinion in 1983. And that he was, was the, also against the so-called welfare state. So Something that gained steam because of Reagan. <clears throat> Very true. And his myths, like the welfare queen. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, Code Switch. <laughs> there we go. Code Switch did a great episode on the origins of the Welfare Queen. Story. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm pretty sure the Dollop has done it too. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. It's really great. Let's yeah. not try to no. Sorry, <laughs> rem- let's not get recall. sidetracked. Or otherwise, we'll start convincing people that Boston <laughs> isn't the capital of Massachusetts. We might do which that. Which I love that we were able to do that. <laughs> Someone in Boston. Gave actually our, had to look it up. Gave our show three stars for the sole reason that we convinced them that their city was not the capital I of honestly don't. I don't know what that episode was. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I have a vague recollection. I thought it was Springfield. Mm. Well, I think what I was thinking, I must have been thinking Chicago. Because Chicago is not the capital that of is Illinois. Correct. You would that think is it is, mm-hmm. but it's not. Just like New York City is not the mm-hmm. capital of New York. 
But imagine if somebody said on a podcast <laughs> that Raleigh was not the capital of North Carolina and you having to look it I'd up. I'd be like, no, because the, the like, fucking... I've been the, to the, the fucking capital. The capital building is literally like five miles <laughs> exactly. from here. Exactly. We've been to the capital building. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, that was all that a That was kind of funny. But anyway, so um, Larry McDonald, maybe not the best guy, but to be clear... I'm not saying it was good he died or anything terrible like that. Well, here's the thing that surprises me. Obviously, this plane getting shot down, which we know Mm -hmm, happens, mm -hmm. with a congressman on board. A congressperson on board, yes. That could very easily be an international incident. This... Or turn into... Uh, Yes, a a broader international incident. This could have started a war. Uh, Yeah. Like a little war. Not a cold war. A full-blown battle war. And... Well, we know that it didn't, because otherwise we would have <laughs> learned about the time that so because the U.S. and the Soviet Union nuked each other. But I guess because that happened, because there's a, a member of our government mm-hmm. on board, I'm surprised I've never heard of this. Well, so this goes even deeper. Um, so McDonald had been invited to South Korea for a celebration of the 30th anniversary of the signing of the U.S.-South Korea Mutual Defense Treaty. So it was mm-hmm. like a... Um, Which was the ending of what? The, the Korean War? Yep. Okay. Yeah. 53 would have been 30 years before. Okay. Um, so that makes sense. It was a diplomatic trip, basically, right? So he... It's also the treaty that split the Koreas into two. Oh, okay. Okay. So... Um, he was going to attend with one Senator Jesse Helms. Does that name North Carol- about- North Carolina's finest, and by finest we mean worst. Douchiest. Because god damn do we need to get rid of these fucking asshole senators. I hate our fucking senators. If, uh, well, I think Jesse Helms is dead now. Um, he is. But Jesse Helms was the Donald Trump of politics before god. Donald Trump came along. Thanks, Jesse. And you can look up some of his stuff that he said on YouTube, and it's, it's he's appalling. A, he's a fucking racist, right? Like, oh, open, probably open that. racist? His main oh, thing oh, was... Maybe uh, mixed up with someone else. His main thing was um, uh, against uh, AIDS activists and stuff oh, like that. Oh, God. That, that was his him. main... Yeah. He was one of the, oh, all the gays are going to go to hell oh, type what? of fucking ghouls fucking that exist. God, you I wrote... Um, our state needs to offload these fucking asshole conservative dipshit senators. I'm talking to you, Tom Tom <laughs> Phillip. And uh, what's the <clears throat> other fucker's name? Burr. Burr? Uh, yeah, written Richard Burr? Something. Anyway, know. whatever. Nobody fucking <laughs> anyway, cares. they're all assholes. Anyway. They're not all. And if you're a conservative... Well, those two are. Those two those are. Those two definitely I have no are. problem with conservatives. I have problems with conservative dipshits, as you called them. There is a there is a there is a designation. Believe me, there's a difference. Okay. But anyway, all right, we digress again. So to avoid getting fr- <laughs> until the Clearly next digression five minutes from now. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not getting political in this episode. Go ahead, give us a one star review. I'll look forward to ringing you over the coals. Um, but so he was gonna go and go to South Korea with Jesse Helms, also Senator Steve Sims of Idaho, and Congressman Carol Hubbard of Kentucky. So there was gonna be a contingent, right, mm-hmm. of Congress people going to um, this celebration. Now, uh, McDonald was supposed to have gotten on a flight from JFK to Seoul a couple of days earlier. This is oh, one of those awful stories yeah. of like. Closely, literally, like missed connections. Oh yeah. Um, this is a really terrible instance of that. Um, because just because I don't agree with the man's politics, it's okay to have 
complicated feelings about people and and not be <laughs> literally jonesing for their death. So I that, again disagreed with the man's politics, didn't want him to die. So, um so his flight, he was flying from Atlanta to JFK, but was diverted to Baltimore at the time okay. for weather. Like, it was just sure. bad weather. Um, and he missed his flight out of JFK by, like, I read two to three minutes. So he was just that shy. That sucks. Which, of course, is one of those horrid moments you look at in retrospect, and you're like, he was two to three minutes from surviving, basically. Sure. Which is just horrific. And obviously devastating and awful for his family and, and, and all of his loved ones. Um <clears throat> He was, this is, there's, this story is just so interesting. He was given the option of taking a Pan Am flight to Seoul. They were like, okay, you missed your flight. Here, do you want to take a Pan Am flight? But that would have cost him more. He didn't want to pay the higher ticket price. So he decided to wait it out for a couple of days for the flight from Korean Air. But here's my question. By the time you pay for a hotel for a couple nights to stay in New York... Like maybe he wanted to stay in New York too. Maybe I mean, that's, that's I the mean, other thing. That's the thing. You don't yeah. know all the circumstances, yeah. so it's hard to judge. And this is maybe. also kind of at a time where flying is still somewhat of a luxury. That's true. It's not. It's not quite the budget sort of thing no. that it is now. Even though it doesn't seem like it now, it definitely is much cheaper than it used to be. Yeah, relatively <clears throat> speaking. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, adjusted for inflation, yeah. it's cheaper than it used to be. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, while he was in JFK, um, Helms, Jesse Helms, and Carol Hubbard were trying to get onto McDonald's flight. Um, but Helms was delayed, so he didn't make it in time to catch 007. Anytime I say 007, obviously, I'm not talking James Bond. Um, and Hubbard... Just say flight 007. I just like saying double O's. Oh, okay. okay. Anyway. Um, but, and Hubbard decided to just scrap the whole trip. Like, it was just plagued with delays. He was like, yeah, never mind. He's like, fuck it. It's a long it. trip to exactly, South Korea. Exactly. And if there were, my guess is if there were delays in all, from Atlanta to Baltimore, it's probably a whole East Coast thing. Probably. It usually is. Yeah. So he was just like, never mind. Not going like, to do whatever. it. Whatever. So Hubbard was out. Helms didn't make the flight. And he's going to come back into the... Um, into the story in just a minute. So KAL flight 007 took off from JFK at 1224 local time on Wednesday, August 31st, 1983. And it arrived seven hours later in Anchorage, Alaska, where it was refueled and cleaned. It just sat on the runway. The passengers who were continuing on to Seoul had the option of leaving the plane or staying on. So they sure. weren't forced to get off. They were allowed to stay. And it's it stayed there for about an hour and a half. Now, here's another horrible side story connected to McDonald's. So while 007 was sitting on the tarmac, Helms... <laughs> Demetrius is burrowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Helms had caught another KAL flight, uh, KAL flight 015, flight 15. Okay. Following the same route. So he arrived in Anchorage and he tried to be like, oh, hey, um, Larry, come over to my flight. And Larry McDonald was like, nah, I want to catch up on my sleep. So okay. he stayed on the plane so, napping. Mm. Isn't that awful? It's just like, it yeah, is. there was all these It's like he things. had two different chances. Yes. And... I mean... 
not that anyone not could that he ever. not that he knows no. what's about to happen but still no. it's yeah, just yeah it's just sort of those uh i don't believe in fate or destiny but just sort of those like things that look like it you know in retrospect but oh well, that's so yeah that's horrible but anyway um just before 4 a.m local time August 31st, 1983, because remember they left on August 31st, but we're talking about going to the West. So the flight or the time zones are going change earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's going to come into play because they crossed the international dateline. <laughs> so um, so for, just before 4 a.m. local time, August 31st, 1983, flight 007 took off from runway 32 at Anchorage International Airport never to arrive in Seoul, mm. South Korea. So yeah, just to um, cover real quick. So they left Anchorage at 4 a.m. on the 31st, but then they soon crossed the international dateline, which is why um, I said September 1st, 83 sure. is when this all happened, because in the time zone they were in, that, is, that was the date. Um, Plus also, and the reason I was saying earlier, like, okay, I can understand how this happened now. Mm. Uh, Alaska, if you are going to go from, well, depending on how you look at a globe. Yeah. But in, in our yes. sense, if you're going to go from west to east, what is directly east of Alaska? Do you mean west of Alaska? That's what I said. You said east of Alaska. Well, whatever. However west you're looking at it. Yes. is Russia. Yes. Famously, what is it, Sarah Palin, or was it um, to, Tina Fey who said that? No, it was actually Sarah Palin that actually, said it. You could see Russia from outside her window or whatever. Right. And uh, there was... a. I th- I'm pretty sure it was her who was trying to propose one day a bridge t- to... Well, the Bering Strait is what mm-hmm. divides I think so. Alaska and But I can't Russia. imagine how costly and expensive it would be to build a bridge that's that Why long. Why would you for want the, to? No. Like, like, hey, I really want to go to Siberia. <laughs> like, no, like, <laughs> like, like, no thanks. Yeah, and it's not just, yeah, it's not just Russia. It's like the no, Siberia it's like It's like the Russia. part of Russia yeah. where the five people live. And there's, where the and there's, Pass yeah, happens. Where there's right? like Inuit people and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> well, that's radio gold we should keep in there. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so, the takeoff from Anchorage was fine. Everything went fine. Now, soon after takeoff, air traffic control gave 007, the flight crew, instructions to turn to a specific heading. Then a minute or so later, they were told to, quote, proceed direct Bethel when able, end quote. So this means first to head over Bethel, Alaska. Now, I initially wrote this, but I'm going to I'm going to sort of update it. If you look like Google Maps and look at Anchorage and Bethel, Bethel looks essentially directly due west okay. from Anchorage. If you look at it on a globe or a map that accounts for the curvature, because we're talking so sure. close to the poles, oh, right? Yeah. Bethel is actually pretty southwest okay. of Anchorage. So... Um, at any rate, if you if you look at maps at any point of any of these uh, locations that we discuss, it the the directions get a little confusing because well, of you're the confusing me with the whole curvature thing because the Earth is flat. It's flat, yeah, right. Okay. Hashtag strong shark <laughs> Exactly. 
I still don't know how the fuck that became a thing, but anyway, that's, that's, <laughs> that that might be a topic because that is a tragedy. That's right, people the flat would, earthers. That, oh, that God. Thousands or millions of people believe that. Whatever. It's called just being really dumb, I and I don't know, okay. misguided as well. Well, and and also like I I have a little bit of um, sympathy for conspiracy theorists because I do think that some conspiracies, well, it it's. It's understandable when people mistrust the government. I get that. Like, our government's... Well, no government is as terribly trustworthy, but... Mistrusting the government should be your default emotion. It really should. Yes, but then that's what people are like, well, then the moon landing didn't happen, you know. Yeah, who cares? Okay, anyway, let's get back to... People listening don't care. Let's get back to Alaska. So, so they were supposed to um, head to Bethel... Or not to Bethel. Like, they weren't going to land, but they were going to pass over Bethel, right? And then at that point, they were supposed to proceed to Transoceanic Track R20 or Romeo 20. So, in this part of the sky, there are five wide flight paths. And we're talking like, (laughs) I'm, I'm giving like little hand indicators, 50 feet or 15 meters wide. So, like... Imaginary lanes, right? Sure. Called the Northern Pacific or NORPAC routes. So they're just like five lanes. And I actually have a picture of that. Just kind of visualize them a little bit. This, These are the NORPAC routes. So you see how they're just kind of yeah. lines? They're just, they're just paths that go straight from Alaska to Japan, mm-hmm. essentially. And here you can kind of see the curvature of the globe too. It's kind of accounted for in this map a little bit. Although we know that maps, because it's a flat representation of a sphere, it's not going to be perfect, you know, but, um, so the, uh, the origin of these routes was in an agreement between the U S and Japan. The USSR had been consulted when they created these routes and they were actually asked if they had any objection to these paths because i mean they're between the u.s and japan but alaska or you're going uh, right USSR, past the ussr exactly though. is right there and the soviet government advised that they didn't have any issue right and further they agreed that the area of these routes would be considered protected airspace okay. so like they had the right to, to fly here that was international fine. airspace maybe yes uh-huh. yeah, okay no. so soon after takeoff from anchorage 007 started slowly drifting off course in its route toward Bethel. So specifically, they were drifting north okay. in their in their route. So instead of just kind of going the path they were supposed to, it was just their degrees were turning just a little bit, right? That's not a technical term. I don't know if you could tell. Um, it, it was later determined that a civilian radar had tracked 007 at Kenai Peninsula, which is just a little south of Anchorage, where it was already... So we're talking like 10 minutes, or I think it was something like 10 minutes into the flight. Um, it was already... Already uh, off course a little almost bit. Almost six miles off course. So okay. 5.6 miles or nine kilometers north of its intended track. Now there's obviously like a standard deviation or whatever, you know, like a give and take. And it's it's not a line that you follow in the sky. Um, so there's, there's a sort of a, a lane, but they were drifting well past that 
established lane. Now, much like, much like last week when I got into like bridge construction a little bit, we're going to have to get in the weeds just a little bit Uh of uh, navigation and autopilot system in 1983. Um, So GPS was still in its infancy at this point. And we're going to get back to GPS next year, next week. I almost said next year. <laughs> Our next episode next year. Um, so GPS was actually still relatively experimental. It had technically been launched in 78, mm-hmm. but it was still beta. We'll call it beta testing, right? Do you know what it was originally for, GPS? Hmm. To guide missiles. Okay. I was going to say that next week, but now <sighs> Oh, thanks. were you? I don't know. I oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that, that was that's why we have GPS. Okay. Um uh da, da, da. so uh instead of GPS, there were other options for um guiding a plane's autopilot system. And they are I'm just gonna give a high level view of four. Um heading, which is a system in which the pilot chooses a course and then the system uses magnetism. To continue along that course, sure. I don't know. There's I don't know magnets either. and Earths and poles and geophysics, and Wikipedia didn't tell me any more than that. So that was a thing. Then also V O R slash L O C, which I hope is pronounced Vorlock because that sounds awesome. <laughs> but what it really stands for is V O R stands for Very High Frequency Omnidirectional Range. So that's the V O R. And LOC, uh, or LOC, stands for Localizer Beacons. I don't know. I feel like they played a little fast and loose with that um, acronym, but whatever. Um, Or a combination of both. So basically, it uses radio frequencies from beacons on the ground for navigation. This is all radio shit, right? Radios and magnets. Waves and magnets, man. Um, Then there's also the ILS, or Instrument Landing System, which is another type of system that uses beacons, from what I could tell. And then INS, or Inertial Navigation System, which uses a computer on board. I mean, this is like early, well, not early, but the point when computers aren't taking up rooms anymore. Like, they can be put on a plane, you know. Well, they were on planes before this, too. Yes, and I mean, they were on spaceships and stuff, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But they're getting smaller, is I guess what I'm trying to. And this say. is 1983. Mm-hmm. This is also when they're starting to become um, a consumer product. Yeah, like PCs, right? Mm-hmm. Personal computers. Yep. Uh, so the INS uses uh, maintains a flight path by using waypoints. They're called points that are uh, programmed into the computer to be used as navigational aids. I think that was right. Sure. It sounded we'll good. We'll just go that, with that. It? Okay. Sounds good. So in the case of 007... Boston is not the capital of Massachusetts. <laughs> in the case of 007, the initial route was within range of VOR beacons until it reached Bethel, at which point it would need to switch to the inertial navigation system, the computer, basically, internal computer, because it wouldn't be in range of any beacons that would work while traveling along the USSR towards Seoul. I mean, we're getting into some pretty desolate land there, right? So the idea was use beacons while you're flying over Alaska, then switch to the computer. Long and short, right? So keep that in mind. That will come into play. So back to 007. It's now just 
drifting north on its course. And one might rightly ask, like I did, <laughs> I was like, why did nobody call them out on this shit? Why did nobody in air traffic control call and be like, hey, 007, so you're going rogue and what is going on here? Because you shouldn't be this far north. And I couldn't find a great explain like I'm five, because trust me, I looked for it. Um, but from what I could tell, it was mostly because of how flights were tracked at the time in general, and also the area in which 007 was flying. Again, this is a little more desolate and sparse area. So it wasn't what the main takeaway is it wasn't negligence. It wasn't like people were not watching or like fall asleep at the wheel or anything type of thing. So now as to why in the first place 007 was veering off of its course and heading farther north than it was supposed to, the most likely explanations later determined by analyzing data from the flight data recorder, which was recovered, we'll get into all that next week, um, was that it had to do with the autopilot navigation systems that I just talked about. Uh, so there there was likely one of two explanations or some combination thereof. One is that when the pilots were supposed to switch to the computer from the beacons system, autopilot system, they just didn't, which would be pilot sure. error, right? Yeah. Um, and then the other possibility was that they actually did switch over to the, um, the INS, the inertial navigation system, the computer system, but because they had already deviated too far from the course that they were supposed to, they were already too far off, the computer couldn't basically home in on any of its waypoints. And for that reason, it never really turned on. Okay. And so they just stayed on that beacon system, which was not effective at that point. So now that does still leave the question as to why they even started drifting in the first place but um but the problem was that once they did start veering off course there was really nothing to stop them and no one to point out the error of the flight path um remember this happened pretty much right after takeoff remember they were yeah. already almost six miles off course like 10 minutes into the flight so yeah they're probably not completely at um cruising altitude either takes about yeah it takes about 10 or 15 minutes to get to yeah yeah. so we already knew that they were off a few minutes into the flight well about 50 minutes after takeoff when they were supposed to be flying over bethel a military radar in king salmon alaska picked up flight 007 14 and a half miles or 23.3 kilometers north of its actual path or its intended flight route. Um, so while this was noted, remember, so there was the the people who, or the civilian radar that caught them like 10 minutes in, and then a military radar caught them 50 minutes in. The reason it wasn't reported is because they don't have commercial flight cra- aircraft flight plans. As far as they knew, they were doing exactly what they're supposed to do. This is not up to them to determine that they were on or off their path, right? It's just that their radar happened to pick them up. That's all. So they weren't responsible for reporting any of this. As far as they knew, they were going the exact right way. So, 
Now, during the early part of the flight, 007 wasn't able to transmit their position to air traffic control because they had already veered far enough off course to make their ability to transmit VHF radio, very high frequency radio, ineffective. Now, why that didn't tip them off to the fact that they were off course, my only guess, and this is only speculation because I couldn't really find, I just kept coming up with the questions like, well, why didn't this get caught? But at any rate, my guess would just be that we're talking radio. It probably goes out all the time. I don't know. Anyway, we're also not talking modern technology. That's right. That's so, right. So that's kind of the other. Yeah, we're, we're literally it, right? talking forty years ago, just about. Yeah, it's true. So that's true. Things were very different technologically. They were, just yes. as they will be forty years from now. <laughs> yes, yes, I can only imagine. So, because they weren't able to directly contact air traffic control, apparently the backup system, and this was apparently not like a big deal or anything too unusual. They radioed KAL-015, the Jesse Helms plane, the flight that he was taking, sort of like a twin flight or sister flight, right? Because they're flying the same route. Um, They radioed that plane to be like, oh, hey, can you report to air traffic control that here's where we are? And they did. And that happened three times. Um, But because they didn't realize that they were off course, the information that they were giving to Flight 15, which was then being relayed to air traffic control, just never tipped anyone off. Okay. So this is important to know. From for all intents and purposes, from ever what anyone can figure out from the cockpit voice recorder, from the data recorder, the flight crew did not know that they were off course. This was not deliberate. Sure. This was a mistake, a navigational error. That so nobody picked up on. No, no is, one was picking up on it. I know. Again, again, it's a different time, different technology. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah. These things probably happened. I mean, think of how many flights there are a day. Something like this probably yeah. happened somewhat routinely. Ugh. But scary. But they didn't all get shot down over <laughs> Russia. Well, that's you know? the problem. So, so at this point blissfully oblivious that anything is going wrong and thinking that this is just a routine flight. 007 crossed the international dateline and continued to drift northward. So it's still just veering off its regular path. Unfortunately, 007's intended track, R20, lay within 17 and a half miles or 28 kilometers of protected, restricted Soviet airspace in the middle of the fucking Cold War. Now, uh, that sounds pretty close in the grand scheme of things, but in airspace, that's a massive error of margin or border. Oh, sure. Margin of error. (laughs) Error of margin. (laughs) Margin of error. You know, it's a big buffer zone. Well, think if you're 28 kilometers off course when you're just driving somewhere. That's yeah, a freaking, that's your, that's, you're, that, you're, you're way off. <laughs> yes, you know? yes. Uh-huh. Yep. So they're crossing the international dateline. The passengers are trying to catch up on some sleep. I'm sure they're all messed up as to what day it is, what time it is. They just cro- cross the international dateline. Um, the flight crew's going about their business just on autopilot. This is This goes on for several hours, continually drifting northwards. And slowly... Flight 007 started to encroach upon restricted Soviet airspace, again, in the middle of the Cold War. 
So, um, quick disclaimer. I'm about to give some time stamps in this next section. And I did my own conversion, which we know what happens when Rachel does conversion. from Especially with meters. <laughs> yes. This instead is conversion from uh, universal coordinated time or whatever to, or, or otherwise known as Greenwich Mean Time to, um, I believe it is Line Islands Time, also called Lint, which is basically like right across the or at the international date line so this is again if i'm correct in my interpretation around 3 45 a.m line islands time uh just across the idl soviet radars picked up on something in their radar now it was not 007 it was an rc-135 which is a boeing built reconnaissance airplane used by both the U.S. and the U.K. in military applications. Um, So this was a U.S. reconnaissance plane, RC-135, on a routine mission, surveilling the area uh, to make sure that the USSR was complying with their arms agreement, right? So it's just like, we're just keeping an eye on you with our little plane, right? Um, Now, the presence of this aircraft was putting the USSR and those who were observing it on a bit of an edge. Uh, They would later describe the RC-135's behavior as a, quote, strange patrol, end quote, that apparently lasted two hours. So they were just, they were very skeeved out by this, is the long and short of it. And... In the sp- this is when I'm going to go back a little bit to just a little bit of the, a specific incident that caused additional tension at this time in the Cold War. So in the spring of 83, I think this was March and April, so just like a few months earlier, um, the U.S. Navy led an exercise in the Pacific, in the Northern Pacific, um, with U.S. military, Australian, and Canadian military, uh, land and aircraft, uh, or sorry, seacraft and aircraft, so boats and, and planes. <laughs> I should just put it that way instead of trying to be all <laughs> cutesy. Um, and they, they, they had led this exercise, and this exercise was called Fleet X 83-1, which, I don't know, very kicky name. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry you're welcome to interrupt me because apparently I interrupt you horribly when you uh... I'm fine okay (laughs) Uh, the express purpose of this exercise like the admitted planned express purpose was to provoke a response from the USSR so that the US Canadian and Australian forces could then practice their own, like, countermaneuvers. So that seems a little sketchy to me. But it, by and large, this whole thing was considered a massive success. Um, we'll just put it this way. <clears throat> Imagine if several countries had reconnaissance planes flying over our airspace. Do you think we'd get a little iffy and a little, you know, it's like, it's just the whole thing. It's like... It's like, can we just stop fucking with everybody? That would be nice. Like, just, (laughs) you know, because literally most of the shit that's happened in the past 30 years we've brought on ourselves. I know that's not a very popular opinion, but it's fucking Mm -hmm. true. Like, just stop. You know? It'd be good. It'd be nice if we could. 
be nice if we could. It's because like- because what happens here is. 269 innocent people wind up dying because yeah. of fucking around in Cold War shit. It's almost like we need a non-interventionalist leadership, oh, huh? Jesus Christ. I mean, just, just stop it already. <laughs> just stop it. Hashtag stop it. So, but anyway, so the idea was to try and test the U.S. Well, I'll call it the U.S., but it also was um, Australia and Canada. Um, their responses to high threat situation, this high threat situation from the Soviets. Uh, now, at no point, like these aircraft were flying over restricted Soviet. Well, airspace. and the and the one is literally trying to provoke a response. They are all trying to provoke a response. Well, the That's one the purpose the, of the whole the one they no, kind of no, 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 knew no, about. We're not I talking thought. about the RC one thirty five. Oh, okay. That's a separate right. incident. Okay, we're going back to. To spring of eighty three. This is this is the Flex Fleet X eighty three one. This is a separate incident. Okay. Ignore the RC one thirty five for right now. Okay. Um, but they were flying over restricted airspace, and at no point did the Soviets. Um, I don't even think they fired on them. And as a result, um, a bunch of the higher ups in the Soviet uh, military chewed out and fired a whole bunch of the Soviet personnel for not doing that, not gunning them down. Probably also had them killed, but anyway. Well, we don't know for sure. Um, And then, so this was just like a, basically like a horrible poking the bear kind of situation, right? absolutely. And, And then it left the USSR pretty convinced that the U.S. was planning some sort of preemptive nuclear strike. Like, they were on edge. Because for 40 years, that's all either side was ever thinking. But then, they go and provoke them deliberately, right. and so now, yeah, the the USSR is concerned um, That's what, That's edge. what I'm saying. Here's the flip side. What if they were doing that to us? Yeah. We yeah. would have had the exact same assumption. Well, we probably would have, like, nuked them first. We're pretty I'd, reactionary. I don't, well... As far as nuking people, I don't think we're that reactionary, although it's happened twice, but that was during an actual war. Think about who has the codes is all I'm I, saying. I know, but I, I'm pretty trustworthy that I'll never get there, but who the well, fuck we'll knows. See. But anyway, again, just bring... Just I know, I know, I, I got gotcha. Stop fucking around. That'd be great, that'd be great. Now, for this reason, because this is what they had just come out of a few months ago, they were keeping a really goddamn close eye on that RC. Oh, absolutely, and, and right? now and now I can see where. So so yes, yeah, now let's can, keep going. Mm-hmm. We're almost done. We're yeah. almost done with this, are we? Yes, we're almost done with this with this half of it. So poor little flight 007, just happily flying along. Everyone on board oblivious, including the flight crew. Um, to the fact that they are horrifically off course, I read that it was estimated they're about 200 miles off course. Yeah, and end. that whole, that, that's just kilometers. strange that nobody Here notices is their, that. the diversion and flight path. Right. Here's, here's a, so the, oh, okay. the dotted line is what they're supposed to do. Oh, yeah, they're fucking way they're off course. They're way off and getting worse every single, Yeah. Now that uh, that will come in handy later. That uh, Kamchatka Peninsula comes into sure. play. So, uh, so they were still on edge from this little RC one thirty five strange patrol, and then because 
of all of this and the reason that they were horribly paranoid, the Soviets immediately homed in on 007 as it began encroaching towards Soviet airspace. It was now about 80 miles or 130 kilometers off the coast of the Kamchatka Peninsula, which I just showed you that it's a little uh, like outcropping peninsula on the southern part of the extreme eastern part of Russia. And they were not going to fuck around. And they sent four fighter jets to intercept 007. Oh, okay. So this is not a surface to air thing. No. Okay. No, let's keep going. The fighter jets had some issues, though. For one, in order to get them out to, like, to cover the distance that they needed to to get to 007, they would burn a shit ton of fuel along the way and may not have enough fuel to actually reach the plane from where they were headed from. And they also had radar problems at the time uh, because earlier, like, I think it was like 10 days earlier, some winds, strong winds had knocked down necessary equipment for radar uh, and and this radar, had it been working, had it not have been knocked down like a couple weeks earlier, would have been key because it would have noticed that 747 much earlier, well before it was close enough to worry about. And they would have had a lot more time. It was estimated like two hours more time to identify well, what a, type of aircraft this was. That's an ocean of time in a situation yeah. like this. Yeah. yeah. So as the Soviets were freaking out over this plane... Not knowing what was going on, 007 was unwittingly wandering in and out of restricted Soviet airspace and international airspace. So which is uh, they didn't know because they didn't know. It's going to make them tepid at best. Tepid? Yeah, just like on edge. Just, oh, you know. tepid means um, mild or medium, like well, water's tepid. I meant something else. Yeah, I'm trying to, I, tepid sounds right, but the, I, I'm trying to think of what, it, like it's a tip of the tongue word, like uh, tentative. Tentative, sure. maybe that's it. Yeah, but you're right. You're right, because they were just like, oh, oh, they're in our airspace. Oh, now they're out again. Oh, oh that's, they're well, in our airspace. Well, they're, they're, like, again. they're like, are they fucking with us again? Yeah, it would seem like they were, right? It would seem like very much fuckery. And what they don't know is that it's literally just an accident. It's it just is a, plain a off total course. accident. So, two Soviet Air Force commanders, General... <coughs> that was not his name. General Valery Kamensky and General Anatoly Kornikov uh, were fighting over what to do about this plane. Basically, they had a major disagreement. So Kamensky wanted first to make sure to identify, hey, let's make sure this is a civilian aircraft or a military aircraft. If if like we need to figure out which it is, we'll we'll. Fine, we'll gun it down if it's military, but we can't if it's civilian. Whereas Kornikov was a lot less forgiving and was like, this fucker has encroached on our airspace. I don't give a shit if it's civilian or military. We're gunning well, plus this the, shit down. Plus the two guys that were in their position before just got fired for not <laughs> yes! shooting it down. Yes, you can see how you would be a lot more reactionary. Exactly. So the they're, like, they're like, I'm not going to the fucking gulags. So they're like, just if it's innocent people, who gives a shit? It's not me. Yeah. That's yeah. probably what the one guy is thinking. So the Soviets had been tracking w- 007 for over an hour when a total of seven Soviet fighter planes who had been Jesus. set out. Wow, they really weren't fucking around. No, they were not. They spotted 007. So they got a visual on the plane. The lead fighter pilot fired warning shots. 
But this aircraft happened to be loaded with armor-piercing shells, not incendiary shells. So basically, it was yelling into the ether. It, it didn't. It didn't, didn't do anything. No, nobody heard them. Nobody no. saw them. It didn't do anything. So 007 is still flying along. No idea that there are seven fucking fighter jets on its tail. And here's okay. Well, I'll let you finish. But okay. anyway, we're almost done with this this half. So, uh. And, and so they're still going along like this is a normal um, flight. And they're like, oh, hey, what if we climb altitude a little bit um, to save some fuel? So they, they radioed air traffic control in Tokyo. And we're like, hey, is it cool if, you know, can we get clearance for climbing altitude a little bit um, for fuel economy? And they were given the go ahead. It was like, yeah, sure. OK, go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm going to let you finish, but I have so many fucking I questions know, right I know, now. I know. This is just. So, yeah, let me finish. So, so they did. They ascended, which made the, the fighter jets overshoot them. Or under, well, no, overshoot, but they were under them, right? Um, and because 007 kind of ascended out of the blue, they in, the Soviets interpreted it as an evasive maneuver. In other words, they really are fucking with us now. And they did not want to give this mystery plane the chance to fly back into international airspace. And so at 8.26 26 a.m., uh, Line Island? Damn it, this is going to be such a... Line Island time is going to be such a dramatic statement. I'm going to try that again. And so at 8.26 a.m., Line Island time, the orders were given to shoot down Flight 007. And that, my friends, is where we'll stop. Okay. Okay, what are your questions? Uh, they got a visual on the plane. Mm-hmm. How did they not know it was a civilian plane if they got a visual on it? They know that's, it's that's a 747. One. Okay, that's they know a it's civilian a Boeing. plane. So we're going to get, I think this comes up. I haven't done the research on it, but I think this actually comes up next week. <laughs> I hope so. That the Soviets had, they said they had reason to believe basically that the... Um, the U.S. were modifying civilian aircraft to try and get around. And, and you may have not. I mean, okay, no. uh, okay, that makes sense. Um, here, and here's my and here's my other question, which maybe we'll get into next week. Mm-hmm. If you, I know you haven't finished the research completely, was, but that's yeah, okay. No, not at all. <laughs> um, when they radioed Tokyo to go for yeah. uh, to ascend, mm-hmm. how did Tokyo not be like, "Hey, you're way the fuck off course"? Well, again, if they were still in this airspace that didn't have those beacons everyone was essentially assuming that the plane itself knew where it was because of the computer okay so i think the idea was they were reporting their courses 200 miles back in the right direction and my third question is Uh when they radioed tokyo Mm -hmm. how did some russian frequency not pick it up because there are there are airports all over Russia. Sure, but why would they specifically be listening for that from that for, plane? For spying? I mean, and this is this is yeah, the Cold War. Yeah, but wouldn't it I mean, just be a bunch of people listening, intercepting, and having no idea that in the meantime no, I'm just, they're no, getting I'm all saying, antagonized I'm over saying here? that was probably thousands of people's jobs to spy all no, over the airwaves. No, what I'm saying airwaves. is say that there's all this shit going down in one part of Russia, mm-hmm. where over here in Russia there's a bunch of people intercepting radio communication how do they know that this is a whole big deal to these people i would think they'd be able to communicate be like hey we've got a civilian that's it's just i'm just i'm just asking no point were they saying 
it, uh, they didn't care if it was civilian, essentially. They weren't trying to identify it. They were just trying to shoot it down. They weren't trying to figure out why not to shoot this plane, is what it kind of comes across as. Uh, yes, Again, yes is, and no, but anyway. Gonna be a lo- we're, yeah. never, we're not going to be able to answer all those questions because we don't know, ultimately. Sure. And again, this is a bunch of, this is a real they said, they said, between one of the more elusive and mysterious government regimes ever, being Soviet-era Russia, and one of the wildest, wiliest, slipperiest governments being the United States. Like counteracting each other and well i'm sure you know, also all well, sorts of accusations also you ways. have the korean government involved the south korean government obviously the south korean yes it, it doesn't come in hugely oh, okay. into the but anyway this is it's yeah. uh yeah it's an intriguing story isn't it is it? and yeah when you fuck around with people uh innocent people die That's uh, uh, again yeah, it's amazing that we've never learned our lesson with that. But Hashtag anyway. stop interventionalist wars. Just stop fucking with people. Jesus Christ. If Iran wants to try to come on our border and take over America, fucking good luck with that shit. Well, you know, yeah. it's no, it's it. In other yeah. words, I'm saying it's you not happening. Defensive stuff. Yeah, yeah. not happening. Uh-huh. Iraq is not taking us over. Yeah. There are two countries that could, Russia being one of them, China being the other. But other than that, we do not have to worry about a fucking ground invasion from right. any country mm-hmm. anywhere, unless Canada and Mexico are just like, all right, we're gonna fuck take these guys out. We'll take we'll take Aww. the north part. We'll take the south. Canada would never try. They're too nice, and and Mexico, I don't think. Can't, I don't think Mexico would, Mexico would try. Care? I don't fucking know. The the cartels would send. Oh up. well, that's who, the, who, who the, the fuck knows. Yeah, the cartels. I would be yeah. worried about. That's for sure. But but anyway, that, like that's what I'm saying. Um. It's supposed to be a defense budget. Right. Defense, which uh, tragically failed us miserably the one time we needed them yeah, the no most. Yeah, kidding. Um, so just stop this bullshit. Just fucking stop it. Yeah. Ho- yeah, hopefully we can learn our lessons, but I don't know. We're not very good at learning lessons, so yeah. Anyway, that was part one. We'll get into all the... Well, we didn't even discuss the actual crash, so major trigger warning for the beginning of next... Well, or 20 minutes and whenever we get around to the actual topic. Whenever we but, get to it. <laughs> um, it this is and maybe not, we won't. Maybe it'll just be a... Maybe we'll just... It'll be a false it's episode. It's going to start really bad. I'm sure Because this was not an okay crash. This was not a boom and it's done this was which not is, a mount erebus crash which is what i was hoping for but you alluded to earlier i'm that sorry that's it's, gonna it it's, yeah. gonna it's gonna be terrible it's gonna be terrible it's gonna be terrible sorry happy tax season yes <laughs> wow okay Let me so the first page hold on yep you always yeah. bury that one with, the, with well, the music pages <laughs> do you need the chords to uh hire by i do I have as a matter them. of fact i think These it's i think it's the over there there it is there we go. All right. <laughs> so that was the first episode of Korean Airlines Flight 007. Mm-hmm. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>